Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 124 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so pleased you're here today. Today, we're talking to Valerie Francis on genre conventions and things like structure. And um, she's a certified story grid editor. Uh, so she's super fun to talk to. She was very, very sweet and smart. And I know you're going to enjoy the interview. Little catch up about what's going on around here. Um, into my third week of the 90 days to done course where writers are going from no book to book um, at the end of three months. And I just had the only reason I'm bringing it up is that it is so damn much fun. We are having so damn much fun. And I think I mentioned last week that I'm just doing it along with them. I'm also harnessing that same energy that they're harnessing to write a book myself. Um, I admitted this over at my other show at the Writer's Well with Jay Thorne. And I think I'll admit it to you because I don't mind admitting things to you guys that I've lost my damn mind. And I've decided to write two books. That's right two books for the price of one. I have only ever done that once in my life. And it was when I was writing a novel under contract and a memoir under contract. Um, and they both had to be done at the same time. So what I would do, and I was still working full time too. So whew, that was a busy, busy time, but I would, I would only work on the, the novel in the morning and I'd work on the nonfiction in the evening or um, afternoon or really late at night. So I kind of separated them that way. Um, the fiction was third person because that's what I tend to write in. And of course, the memoir is first person. So that helped. I did write them in different places. Um, I wrote my fiction at home and I wrote the most of the entire memoir at a Pete's Cafe. So... I think that really helped with the brain separation and I'm kind of doing the same thing now for the thriller. I am writing in the morning in my normal writing way. I go to the mills mills library or to the cafe or someplace like that. Just get out of the house to do my first draft writing. And that's been going well. I just started both. (laughs) I started both books on Monday. It is now Thursday as I'm recording and I have quite a few words in each. And the, um, the other novel, it's a novel. It's not a thriller. It's kind of a women's fiction slash chick lit. So it's, um, funny and amusing. And it's just an idea that really amuses me. It's kind of a, uh, uh, a wish fulfillment novel in a way. And I have been writing that using dictation. And it's great. I got 1400 words yesterday in the car going, I don't remember where I was going. I think I went to the, to Trader Joe's and back and got 1400 words. They are 1400 words, worst words I've ever written because not only are they first draft, but they're dictated. And I was in the car for part of that. I'm using Dragon Anywhere on my phone and a Plantronics one ear headset, um, thing to talk into a Bluetooth. And it's working well, but of course there's, you know, car noise and, there's, there's just a lot wrong in the dictation, but it gives me something to clean up because I love revising. I hate first drafts. No, you know what? I take that back. I'm not saying that anymore because right now I'm loving first drafts and this is a new thing for me. And I want to keep loving first drafts. First drafts are 
fun. I have no idea what's going on in either of these books. Um, I'm writing so fast that I keep running out of plot. I haven't plotted as far as I've gotten up to, um, which is an unnerving feeling, but it's also something I really enjoy getting to getting to where you've you know you've you've come to the end of your plan and having to jump and seeing what happens i love that feeling it's so much fun so i'm double double doing it um i don't have any plan for this second novel i don't know what i'll do with it when i finish it i don't have actually a due date in mind the way i do with a thriller so it is just purely for the joy of writing this book and it's been wonderful it's been really, really fun. So I kind of feel like I've unlocked a a portal into joy that I haven't had before. And I do know this is the first week of writing both of these books. Um, for me personally, the best time in a book is like the first couple of weeks and the last couple of weeks, although those can be pretty stressful. Um, it's the middle part, we all know, that is the hard part. So I haven't gotten there yet. We'll see. I could definitely drop the second book ball, but, but it's fun. It's, it's super pleasurable to play with both of these ideas. So I'm not cutting either one of them out. Otherwise, everything is going pretty dang well. I had a little migraine yesterday and it turned out to be one of the smallest migraines I've ever had. It was a real migraine, but it was, um, completely manageable, which is basically an oxymoron when it comes to migraines. Uh, so all of this dang clean eating I'm doing is, I think it's actually paying off. Gosh, darn it. That's what you get when you give up sugar and most carbs and all fun. I'm just kidding. I can still write. I still have fun. You guys, I put on lip gloss yesterday (laughs) and I was I I got giddy. I got giddy because it was sweet. I was licking my lips. It was the sweetest thing I'd tasted in weeks, a month, more than a month. Uh, But I feel good. I feel strong. No migraines. I'm writing a lot. I'm talking to amazing students, amazing clients and coaching students and um, finishing up with a class that I'm teaching at Berkeley and grading a lot, which... I don't always love, and it's something I can easily put off. Um, but, but the students in this class are, are really awesome. They're providing me with some stuff that I actually need to grade that is wonderful. So I don't know. It's all feeling really good, people. It's all feeling pretty great. So what else felt great was talking to Valerie Francis. I know you're going to enjoy her. Please listen to the interview. Enjoy. I want you to do your own writing. I want you to tell me about it. Um, Join the Slack channel if you haven't already. Uh, If you go to howdowrite.net and go to last week's episode, the link is in there because I'll probably forget to put it in this week's link. Um, But now that I'm back on Slack, it's really fun to be doing our accountability in there and, um, putting in how many words we're writing a day. So, or talking about how today's writing was hard or how we didn't do it. So come and join that. Um, if you haven't already, so happy writing to you and thank you as ever so much for listening. Why? Yes, I do have a Patreon. I write essays about living an honest, creative life and truly they're the most important thing I write each month. 
I wouldn't be able to afford the serious time it takes to write them without the support of my benefactors. They are true patrons of the arts in the old fashioned sense of the word. If you become one of my sponsors for as little as $1 a month, and seriously, those $1 pledges add up and are amazing, you'll get each essay as I write them, as well as the full backlist, more than 24 essays that I'm really freaking proud of. Other perks at other levels include being thanked in the acknowledgments and getting a signed copy of each new book I write. You can even get monthly coaching from me at a cheaper rate than I normally offer. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to find out more. And thank you so much. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Valerie Francis. Hello, Valerie. Hello, Rachel. How are you today? I'm so happy that you're here. We know each other through Jay, Jay Thorne. We do indeed. Yes. Part- partner in crime. Uh, let me give you a little introduction here. Uh, Valerie Francis is an author and certified story grid editor. She has published fiction for both women, love stories for busy women, and children, middle grade fantasy, and is currently working on her first thriller. Yay. As a bona fide story nerd, her passion for the craft of storytelling led her to become a certified story grid editor in 2017. Her nonfiction credits include a story grid guide to Bram Stoker's Dracula, and regular articles for the Fundamental Fridays column on Sean Coyne's Story Grid website. So cool! That is kind of cool. I like having this job. How did you get involved (laughs) in the Story Grid? How did you find it? Through Joanna Penn's website. Ah, yeah. Oh, through her podcast, actually. I finished uh, my very first novel, which was uh, children's middle grade fantasy. In... um, it was December 23rd, 2014, when I said, okay, this is as far as I can take this book. I'm done. I'm shipping it. And then on January 2nd, 2015, she put out the podcast where she interviewed Sean Coyne. Oh, wow. And of course, like so many other writers, the first book, what it really does is give you a list of questions, right? Of things that you thought you maybe knew, but you don't actually know. Mm-hmm. What a good way so to say then that. I went out, yeah, then I went out looking for answers to questions and in that one podcast sean answered a half dozen of them and i thought well i don't know who this guy is but i gotta find out more so he was blogging the story grid at the time so i started to follow his blog and you know waited with bated breath for the book to come out and then i just i mean that's it i was hooked i was hooked so for the listener who doesn't know what story grid is can you give a real short description of what it is yeah, it's an editing method developed by Sean Coyne. Uh, he was an editor with a number of the uh, big five publishing companies in New York. And so he would be presented with a manuscript, you know, a completed manuscript. And it was his job to go through it, make sure it worked, beef it up, strengthen it. And he wanted a way to be able to communicate to the writer exactly what wasn't working in the book and why he wanted to be able to pinpoint it. Because as we know, as writers, when we get feedback that's sort of airy-fairy, like, you know, I'm I'm not really feeling it in this area. Or maybe if you tried getting rid of that character, or maybe if you tried adding a new character here, that's sort of feeling your way through, and sometimes it works. But when you're dealing with the big bucks in big business and the big five publishing companies, you, you can't really do that and expect to uh, turn a profit. So he was looking for a way to give really concrete, specific evidence um, as to what was happening 
in the what was working in the novel and what wasn't working in the novel. So over the course of his career, 25 years, he came up with this method. And uh, then Stephen Pressfield, his business partner, convinced him to share it with the world. And I'm very grateful to Stephen Pressfield for that. <laughs> I I have used it. Um, Jay and I did a, a show on the writer's well where we basically plotted a romance novel that I was going to write. And I remember it was so helpful using it. And I know that Jay says it's always it's used for editing, not so much plotting. But it was so helpful to have those specific beats already done. And I'm not a big, I'm not a good plotter. So I, I really enjoy the story grid in that way. And I, I'm a, I'm a dabbler. I'm a story grid dabbler. I have the book. <laughs> I dabble in, I dabble out. I dabble, you know, I mix it together with all the, all the other things that I like. Dogs are barking in the background. All right. While the dogs, the peanut gallery, bark, the peanut gallery is always <laughs> around. While they make a ruckus, tell us about your writing process personally. How, what does it look like right now? Well, I write every day. Uh, the reason I write every day. Do you day mean seven days a week or five days a week? Seven days a week. Nice. Because for me, one missed day becomes one missed month really quickly. So yeah. I just, I created a pattern for myself and I have um, a mantra, I guess you would call it. And this is what I repeat to myself all the time. When I wake up, I get up. When I get up, I write. I love that. First thing in the morning. So I don't get to hit snooze. <laughs> Just get up, get down to the office. This is where I write in this room right here. Um, do you so make I a do cup it every of coffee? Day. Do you feed the cats or do you go right to the desk? Oh, I do pass by the coffee machine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's all set up the night before. There's no messing around. Uh, and yeah, I let the dog out. But it takes yeah. me, you know, within 20 minutes or so yeah. of getting up, I'm down um, in my office. And what I actually do the night before I set everything out. So my mm. desk is clear, all the tabs on my computer are closed. So when I come down, my mind is clear, it's fresh, it's rested. Nobody else in the world is awake. Um, cause I live in the first time zone in North America. You live in Newfoundland, <laughs> so, right? In Newfoundland on the East coast of Canada. So if I'm up at five, Nobody else is awake for hours. So I really use that to my advantage. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the, you know, the big structure. And when I'm talking to clients as a story good editor, I, they process is one of the biggest questions they ask me. And I say that writers can write in one of three ways. They can write by word count, which works so well for a lot of people. Mm -hmm or by task, or by time. Word count doesn't work for me because, mm. as you can already tell, I can really talk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I can really write a lot of words. So I end up, I mean, I've had multiple 10,000 word days, wow. but then I just have a bunch of, I just have a bunch of stuff. Right. And it's all over the place. So it, it didn't work so well for me, but it worked like gangbusters for a lot of people. I tend to go by task or by time. So I need to write this scene today or I have two hours that I can write, you know, in this, this is my writing mm -hmm. block. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach the, the general, you know, logistics of how I write. I love that. I love, I love hearing that. And it's usually in your office. You don't go out or anything to write. Usually here in my office, um, I have had to learn how to write in 
Starbucks <laughs> because my daughter takes dance and the studio's uh, all the way across town. Uh-huh. There's a Starbucks across the street from her dance studio. It's eight hours a week. I thought, you know, it's a waste of time for me to spend an hour and a half driving back and forth. I might as well just get some work done. Oh, that's fabulous. So, yeah, I've had to learn to work at Starbucks. Um, it's not my favorite, but it can be done. I want, I, I, as you said, Starbucks, I saw their little pop-up that comes up on the computer when they want you to join their wireless. And I want to go just back to something you said, how you set up your desk the night before. And if people don't do this, I find it's one of the most useful things in the world. I have to, before I go to bed, I have to close my um, email because if I sit down and there's, you know, overnight, even at midnight, you know, you get those, those junk emails and I will scan them and I'm, now I'm out of my head. Now I'm, now I'm out of that quiet spot of coming to the computer and I'm looking at email. Do you do the same thing? Yes. Yes. I had for a while a really bad habit of, cause my alarm is on my phone and I had a habit, you know, you pick up your phone to turn the alarm off yeah. and I would check my email oh, or I'd gosh. check yeah. social media or something. I had to break myself of that very quickly because just like you said, your, your mind then goes onto the list of things that need to be done for the day. Mm -hmm. And you no longer have that uncluttered headspace to create from. So yeah. So I just, that's all shut down and I get to turn my alarm off and then I don't get to touch my phone again. And that requires some discipline. It does. It does. It takes discipline and practice. But it gets to the point where I've been writing for a while now in the morning and I will resent the fact that I should look at my phone to see if I have texts and I should turn on email. And when I'm resenting it, I know I'm at the right place for me. So what is the biggest challenge for you when it comes to writing? For me, the biggest challenge is one I've set for myself, which is to always write at the limit of my ability. Mm, Great one. That, you know, you hear a lot of conversation about what, what does success look like for you? And for some people, it's the New York Times list or a certain sales figure. And don't get me wrong. You know, if I hit the New York Times list, I would be very happy about it. <laughs> I do enjoy money too. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not that precious. Sensible. Um, <laughs> that's right. I'm a little pragmatic. But the goal I set for myself right from the very beginning is that every book that I write will be the best that I can write at that point in my career. Mm -hmm. And that means I can't ever phone it in Mm -hmm. ever. I have to constantly be pushing myself. If it's, this is why I write in different genres because once I write in one genre, I'm like, okay, well that's how a love story works. And I wonder how thriller works and I'm going to get that moving. Um, and it's one of the reasons I love working with story grid because it, it gives me an opportunity to sort of go into the dark spaces of storytelling that I haven't explored yet and, and learn new stuff. So that is definitely the biggest challenge for me is that I'm constantly trying to level up. And with, when I first discovered story grid, um, like I said, my first book I, I finished. So I started to apply the principles on my second book, um, which is the love story for busy women's masquerade. It's a book in 12 parts. Mm-hmm. And if you've looked at the story grid book, it's a little overwhelming. It I, really I, is. I definitely find it overwhelming. I really do. <laughs> I use the main it's, tenets. I don't go too deep into it. <laughs> well, the only thing I could wrap my head around was the five commandments of storytelling. That's what right? I love. So inciting yeah. incident, progressive complication that ends in a turning point, crisis climax resolution. Mm-hmm. And the reason I could wrap my head around that is because I had sort of a foggy memory of doing something about this in grade school. 
I remember the, you know, the, the mountain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I thought, okay, there's, I can get a foothold here. So masquerade is essentially an exercise in the five commandments. Oh, how fun. So that, that was my goal in that book to learn how to get those five commandments working. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. So what is your biggest joy then when it comes to writing? For me, it's, it's the high that you get in those rare moments where you, where the, the muse allows you to download. <laughs> they don't come very often, but boy, they're like the hit that the junkie needs, right? Yes. To keep going. <laughs> yes. It's the runner's high of writing. The runner's high. Well, I'm also a runner, so maybe that's what I like. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about how torturous writing is and how hard it is and how painful for me it isn't any of those things you know even sometimes if I'm stuck and I'm slogging through a particular part of a book and I wake up in the morning and think oh oh god I gotta go down to the (laughs) office And and as soon as I start to think that I think wait a minute this is your job you can go down in your pajamas (laughs) and start work at your own time, you get to set your hours. If you want to go to the gym at 10 in the morning, you can go to the gym at 10 in the morning. You get to make stuff up you, for a living. You make like, stuff up. Exactly. So get over yourself and get down to the office, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So for all of those days where it's really hard to show up and where, you know, resistance, as Stephen Pressfield calls it, or your paradigm or whatever you want to call it, for all of those days when those things are challenging. Every now and again, you get into the zone, right? You get into the rhythm, you, you, you totally relax. And it might just be for a minute, maybe 30 seconds, where you feel like you're taking dictation. Oh, that's my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. (laughs) And you look at what's written there. And you think, where, where did that come from? Who wrote that? Who told me to put that down? And when that happens, I find that it doesn't need a lot of editing. Yes. I right? Agree. I agree. Oh, that's very cool. That is very true. The faster and easier it flows when it's in the flow mode, the mm-hmm. less editing it ever needs. That's, it's pretty astonishing. And I wish, I wish we could just turn it on like a tap, but we can't, we have to just keep showing up. Uh, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm delusional, but I'm working under the assumption that the longer I do this, the easier it will be for me to get into that flow state because I will have practiced it more. I do find that true. Yeah? Yeah. Yay. So (laughs) that's another reason I write every day, right? Yeah. I keep, I keep. I keep pushing back on the writing every day. And then uh, every once in a while, somebody like you makes it sound really attractive. (laughs) And maybe I'll just try for, you know, a thousand words a day, every day. That would be pretty amazing. Well, I think it's consistency, right? If whatever your consistent writing pattern is, Mm -hmm. like for people who have a full-time day job, maybe for them, they can write on their lunch break Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's consistent. Right. That's the writing practice. Cool. Go with it. The consistency is key. That's really, really what it's all about is, is creating that habit and sticking to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? 
I have so many. It's so hard to choose. Yay! <laughs> the first, the I think the biggest thing for writers is to know what genre they're writing in. Mm-hmm. And this is me, the story grid editor, talking now. It's not me, the writer. Well, although, no, it is me, the writer, too, because I've goofed up on this one and learned the hard way that you need to know your genre. And when I'm working with writers, I find that they sort of filter into two groups. One group knows exactly what their genre is, right? Ian Rankin is their favorite novelist. They want to write just like Ian Rankin. So you're going to write master detective crime stories. Mm -hmm. Right. Off you go. There's another group of writers who say, I have the story in my head that I want to tell or in my heart that I want to tell. And they have no idea what genre it would fall into. So we kind of talk about that a lot. And, and between the editor and the writer, we figure out what the genre is because that everything else flows from genre, right? You got to know it's the same with anything in life. You got to know if you're building a house, you got to know what kind of house you're building or that you are building a house and not a skyscraper. (laughs) I think (laughs) the, the only exception to this is if you're planning to write a book that you don't want anyone to ever read. Then you get to do whatever you want. But I, I, I agree with you that if you, if you want a reader someday, you have to be able to satisfy their, their unknown expectations, the expectations that they don't even understand that they have. And that's fulfilled by genre. So for the people who are just panicking right now in their cars listening to this, who don't know <laughs> what they're writing, it's like a science fiction fantasy thriller mashup. What would you advise for them to do? Well, don't panic, first of all. Um, (laughs) There's absolutely no reason. Think about the types of books that you like to read because chances are you're writing in something similar. Mm -hmm. And just there's like on the StoryGrid website, there's all kinds of information about genre. And Sean has it broken down and he's got a genre clover. So there's five decisions you make. Three of them are easy peasy. Like, you know, whether you're writing a novel or a short story, Mm -hmm. right? Um you know that you're writing a a drama versus a musical or something like that. So those decisions are easy. But then he has something called a content leaf, which is all these big genres that you would see. These are the ones we usually talk about. So it's action, it's mystery, it's love story. And then he has a reality leaf, which would be fantasy and science fiction. So you could be writing a lot of fantasy is also action, like The yeah, Martian. Yeah. It's an action science uh, fiction, right? Yeah. So just the first thing is just think about the type of books that you like to read and then think about whether the story that you're writing feels the same way. Mm-hmm. And if it does, great. You have There's your starting point. If it doesn't, read wide. Read outside the, the type of book that you normally like to read and find one that is in the same vein mm-hmm. as what you want to write. And then I, I would you recommend also Googling what the conventions actually are? Because there there is so much information out there. Like I, when I was writing what turned into a domestic thriller, but for a while my agent and I thought it was a um, police procedural. I had not known that in a police procedural, you must have a morgue scene. I mean, you don't, you, no one's going to come to your house and put a gun to your head if you don't put in a morgue <laughs> scene, but it is part of genre expectation. And I hadn't known that, you know, yeah. so, so, so 
Is that on the StoryGrid website or is that just a Google away kind of thing? Oh, that's all on the StoryGrid website. And in fact, we've got, uh, I'm on a podcast called the StoryGrid Editors Roundtable Podcast. And we analyze a film every single week. We've done all of the content genres. So all of the obligatory scenes and conventions are all there. Oh, see, people, you need to be listening to this. This is good. (laughs) It's the StoryGrid Story Grid Editor Roundtable Podcast. Okay, perfect. It's a mouthful. You know, <laughs> it's hard to say. It's even hard to repeat. <laughs> the Roundtable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll call it the Round. I see you with a sword. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is the thing in writing that when you're with a bunch of other writers that you are most excited to talk about? Well, like I'm a story nerd, right? <laughs> so it's the only people who ever want to hear me talk about anything related to story is other writers or other editors. And we just completely geek out on story form yeah. and structure. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is why we keep doing the podcast every week. Cause you know, none of my friends want to talk to me about this. None of my friends will let me join their book clubs either because they say, <laughs> Valerie, you'll make us talk about the book. <laughs> have you seen the, have you seen the new Netflix drama Russian doll? No, I haven't. Oh, you should watch it. It's only eight episodes. It's wonderful. It's Natasha Leone. And I think the story structure that they, the, the way they played with story and convention was really, really beautiful. So, I'll add it to my list. so that is what you geek out about. That's fantastic. Yeah. And all aspects of like on the, well, again, on the roundtable podcast, we're in season four right now. So what we did rather than look at the, um, well, Sean calls them the editor's six core questions, right? So these are the big topics that you, the big, the six big questions you need to answer uh, when you're writing a book. We decided to take a particular story principle and study it. So this season I'm studying narrative drive, which is, um, you know, mystery, suspense, dramatic irony. It's what is it about a story that keeps a reader engaged, that keeps them turning pages? So that's what I'm studying. This um, seems like a masterclass in this, in this aspect. I mean, you guys are really putting on this masterclass, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's exactly what it feels like. And each, each film that we study, we get to learn and we're learning from one another and we're also learning from our own study. And then we're passing it along to other writers, whoever wants to tune in and listen. That's incredible. So you're doing narrative drive right now and you're writing a thriller. What is the one thing about thriller that I need to know as I head into writing my second one? It's all about the villain. Dang it. (laughs) I think that's what I, I had such a hard time with that in my last book. It's all about the villain, huh? Because I know who the villain is in this one and she's going to be quite, quite active, but she's going to be secret for a while. That's what does okay. the villain want and what does the villain need? And the thing that the villain wants to get, the hero has to give it to them. It's for some reason they it's the hero who has it or who is able to access it on behalf of the villain. So with thrillers, they're they're a mix, right, of action, crime, and horror. Right. So depending on the type of thriller you're writing, one of those three will usually be more prevalent. So police procedural type of thrillers would have a very heavy crime element mm-hmm. to it. Um, if you're writing, mine has a very heavy horror element to it. So I really had to think about what's the difference between the force of antagonism in a thriller and the force of antagonism in a horror story. 
how are they different and why? And they're, they're totally different. It took me a while to figure it out, but they're totally different. In a horror story, it's a monster. You know, Jaws is not, ha- has nothing against the people of the community. He's just looking for lunch, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just, zombies don't have anything personal against their, their victims. They're just doing what zombies do, right? Um, in a thriller, it's not, that's not the case at all. If you think of Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. right? Buffalo Bill um, had a few issues. <laughs> this makes me feel a lot better about this thriller that I'm planning because I actually have all this motivation and the hero does have what this villain needs and will take. So, ooh, thank you. You are so smart <laughs> about all this stuff. Dang, I am I am going to subscribe to your podcast immediately. Um, what is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it? I love this question because I think that even writers don't read enough. I agree. Right? You know, if there's anyone who's going to be an avid reader, it would be us as writers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm actually starting now is a book club for this reason, because well, as a writer and as an editor, my friends come to me for book recommendations, but writers are coming to me for book recommendations. So I thought it might be fun to start a book club. And the first book that I'm going to be talking about is my the recommendation for you as well. It's Leanne Moriarty's novel, The Husband's Secret. I love that book. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old sort it's of an old so one. It's 2013. Uh, and we all know Big Little Lies and all the that stuff that's coming out for her now. Um, and she deserves every accolade and every penny that she earns. Yes, Absolutely. She but The Husband's Secret, I really like it because it's a mini plot. And there aren't a lot of those. We, we're used to the arch plot, the the single hero going on a journey, the, the hero's journey, yeah. as Joseph Campbell talks about, or, or Christopher Vogler, if you follow him. Um which is one character, you know, leaving the ordinary world, going to the extraordinary world and coming back. Right, to the right. Well, in the, the Husband's Secret, you have, I think it's three groups of women that you're following. And, and when the book starts, the families are completely separate and the storylines are completely separate. Now, you know, somehow they're going to tie together, but you don't know how. And by the end of the book, they're very intricately woven. So I just really enjoyed the different st- story structure. Now, I mean, there's, there's laugh out loud, funny moments. She's hilarious. Book, right. You know, um, and there's also very tender moments in the book that are a bit heartbreaking, <laughs> you know, and I really enjoy those stories where, you know, I laughed, I cried, I did it all. <laughs> I really love that, like Steel Magnolias, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that story, I will laugh, I will cry, I will do the whole thing, and I must have seen it 20 times. Um, <laughs> so so that's why I'm going to recommend uh, The Husband's Secret. Perfect. I, I think I might, sorry, I think I'm, that might even stand a reread for me. Because it was the first book by her that I read, and I just fell in love with her on that. So the now, audio book is really good too. Oh, really? If you haven't listened no, to the I audio book, and I have some yeah. audio credits. That might be a great way to re-listen and think about that story structure. And, and you, you get ha- to hear the Australian accent. Too, oh, which is lovely! That's perfect. All right, what would you like to tell us about right now? Where can we find you? What would you like to plug right now? Because we already know now that you're brilliant, and we want to follow you everywhere. <laughs> 
Uh, well, my website is ValerieFrancis.ca, so you can go there to find out everything uh, about my books and my editing. And if um, if if you like love stories, you can download the first part of my love stories for busy women. Uh, it's called Masquerade. You can download that for free, and that will also uh, subscribe you to my book club. Oh, cool! I was going to ask about yeah. that. When does that fire up your book club? Um. It will be uh, March 1st, oh, 2019. So soon. So, so soon, yes. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. It has been such a delight to talk to you. You are awesome and brilliant and obviously understand story inside and out. <laughs> so thank Thanks you so, so much, much for being here. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.